You are listening to the Catholic Exchange Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Catholic Exchange Podcast on this, the Feast of St. Francis of Rome. It's my pleasure to welcome two Dominican brothers here uh, from Washington, D.C. And I welcome Brother Justin Bolger and Brother Georgian Zajic. Brothers, would you kindly introduce yourselves and just tell us a little bit about yourselves? Yes, my name is Brother Justin Bolger. I'm in my second year of studies here at the Dominican House of Studies in D.C. And I'm uh, Brother Jordan Zajac here in my first year of studies at the House. Well, so you guys are still, how long does it usually take for a Dominican to go through formation? A lifetime. A lifetime. <laughs> Great answer. But Perfection is not achieved. No, as St. Thomas says, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I asked a Dominican a question. I should get some food. Well, yeah, right, right. It takes um, a total of, of seven years. The, the first year as the mm-hmm. novice and then six years of studies, usually two years of philosophy and four years of theolo- theology. You guys are still in the early stages. Can you guys explain to me what uh, called you to the Dominican order? I believe God, um, at least I hope. Yeah, so I, this is Brother Justin again. Of course. <laughs> I first came into contact with the Dominicans about 10 years ago. I met a priest of our province, and I wasn't really discerning at that time, um, but I got to see the house here. Um And then I also actually got to know the sisters in Nashville pretty well. I lived there for a bit, and um, I would go and pray evening prayer and Compline some nights. And so I got to start kind of observing and getting to know Dominican spirituality. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I moved back up to this area, up to Maryland, and was working. And the Dominicans just kind of came up in prayer a lot. And I was actually running into them a fair amount at different events. So I said, okay, God, maybe I can take a hint. And I decided to take, um, well, to go on a vocation weekend. And that's basically just a come and see weekend for Mm -hmm. men who are discerning the priesthood and the Dominican specifically. And that was a great experience. And a year and a half later, I applied and um, they haven't kicked me out yet. So I'm still here. (laughs) Wonderful. I'm glad they haven't done so just yet. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, for me, this is Brother Jordan, of course. uh, My introduction to the order and to this province, the province of St. Joseph, the Eastern Province, uh, happened in college. I'm a graduate of Providence College, which is the one uh, institute of higher learning that uh, the friars run uh, here in the United States. I was very blessed. I grew up about 45 minutes away from Providence, Rhode Island, in New Bedford, Massachusetts. And my experience at at PC was incredibly fulfilling. It's where I truly fell in love with the intellectual life for the first time. I had always been a good student, but but this is where things things really started to come together. And I I felt uh, the the academic life really suited me. And and so I I actually pursued a doctorate in English literature. I was an English major and and had a love for Shakespearean drama. So I thought, leaving college leaving this, uh, this rich uh, intellectual environment, you know, how do I stay in a place like this for the rest of my life? This is what I want to do. Probably at 22, it was also just how do I stay in college and keep living this lifestyle for a little bit longer. But uh, so I, I figured I, I felt I always loved teaching. Uh, my mom is a teacher, retired now, and that's kind of in my genes. So I, I figured um, I wanted to be a professor. 
went along to graduate school, and as that experience unfolded through the rest of my 20s, um, by the time I finished my dissertation, I realized as much as I wanted to be a professor, even more so I wanted to be a preacher. I, I found it more enriching to teach CCD, to uh, think about as a lector at Daily Mass, mm-hmm. what it was like to, to try to really give voice to <clears throat> particularly St. Paul's, uh, Paul's epistles and, and how difficult. Those are such like beautifully complex little readings, and there's, there's so much richness. And I would try to like figure out how I wanted to give voice to those as a lector, communicate uh, that word and that truth. And then I, I found myself not wanting to sit down after lecturing. I wanted to stay up there and preach and like break it open. Uh-huh. And so uh, by the time I finished uh, my doctorate in, in Shakespearean drama, uh, I, I was discerning religious life in particular and, and found uh, that the, the, the thing that incited me and, and spurred me on in the first place was, was that Dominican charism, that life of, of prayer and study and preaching for the salvation of souls. And so I entered a, a week after my dissertation defense, um, I entered the, as a novice and uh, that was 2013 and I'm very grateful for the life here. It sounds like it, uh, being a preacher and a teacher, you were made for the Dominicans. It sounds like I, I was, I was like my first time at the house of studies here is on a vocations weekend. I left, told my friends and family that just the, the air they breathe here just feels right in my lungs. You know, it's just it's just the perfect kind of fraternal environment. Funny guys, spirit filled, and and all just just zealous for the Lord. And I actually had experience of that as well. For anyone who might be listening, thinking about going on a come and see weekend, I went to one in Berkeley, California. Oh, beautiful. Seven years ago? Oh my gosh, it's been forever. <laughs> but in it, they the brothers here are describing it exactly right. There's an air to it. There's a lot of laughter, but also some solemnity. And it's a great time to go if any young men are thinking about it. Absolutely, yeah. Another question I want to ask you guys, you're down in Washington, D.C., so what is it like to study with the Order and really be a son of St. Dominic in the capital? Well, we don't get out that much. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we, uh, we have a rigorous prayer and study schedule, mm-hmm. and um, so that does keep us busy. However... We do try to reach out to the community um, and, and to the c- city in ways um, that are available to us in the time we have. An example of that is uh, some street preaching we do. So many of us will go out, take the metro downtown, maybe to uh, Chinatown or, or a place like that right in the heart of the city, and we'll bring our instruments so or some instruments like a guitar or some percussion mm-hmm. um, and some brothers will sing spiritual songs, um, nothing too overtly um, like traditional or Catholic, but just songs that have a good message that can kind of draw people's attention and mm-hmm. have other brothers who will also preach to people and maybe hand out rosaries. We have priests available for confession. And we found that just playing music and we, and we all go down in our habits and having a good time together is very disarming to the passersby um, because it's not like we're just going up to them and saying, hey, let me tell you about Jesus, uh, which is good. But when you um, try to use art or some sort of aesthetic experience, that's kind of an indirect way to someone's heart. And mm-hmm. uh, so I guess we've been finding this indirect way to a lot of um, the uh citizens of D.C., and we've been able to preach to them 
and those have been really successful. We do probably like four of those a year. So that's one way that we've been able to sort of take our joy and our, our love for the, the gospel and our love for preaching and bring it out to the streets of D.C. Yeah, it's, it's been very meaningful to move here, this, this being my first year here, um, mm-hmm. uh, to, to sit and study every day in the library looking across the street at um, the National Shrine and, and kind of the, the cornerstone of, of the Catholic Church in America in this city that is, you know, the seat of political power in our country and, and so much of what, what happens and impacts and shapes the lives of everyone uh, is, is determined here just miles away. Um, whether it's, <clears throat> excuse me, praying at daily mass for, for the president and politicians uh, or encountering staffers on the street, those, um, those young professionals in their 20s who will join us for prayer in the house, uh, to know that you know, it, it's there's this beautiful tension where, especially in in, in this in our society and in, in our country today, uh, sort of the the churches and all religious freedoms are uh, pretty much are under attack, and mm-hmm. uh, sometimes in surreptitious ways, sometimes in more overt ways. That that like we are there, running silent, running deep, praying for these people, praying for their souls. And, and trying to counter you know, so much hostility or just indifference toward the, the love and the mercy of Christ. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful, you, you can you experience that tension and, and the power that, and the inspiration that, that it provides uh, daily just, just by getting up and, and seeing where you are, where you're, where you're living. It's, 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 a wonderful, it's a wonderful place to study and live and learn to become a Dominican. The Dominicans also have a history of being situated in urban settings. Mm-hmm. St. Dominic um, sent the brethren out early on to the major centers of learning in Western Europe. So these, this, these were exciting times, especially for universities. They were really burgeoning at that point, and um, there was a lot of incredible learning going on. And St. Saint, Saint Dominic had this intuition from the Holy Spirit that we need to be in those places. So I think Dominicans naturally feel comfortable in in an urban environment. Mm-hmm. Like Brother Jordan was saying, we invite the uh, just everyone who lives in D.C. or lives, lives around D.C. to our liturgies. And we always try to make our liturgies, whether it's the Mass or the Divine Office, beautiful. And again, that's something that we've always done. When we moved to Paris, when the, right after the order was founded, we would have, um, we especially wanted to make our Compline, which is night prayer, the last prayer of the day for us as Dominicans. We wanted to make that really beautiful and a great ascetic experience so that it would attract young people in Paris to come and pray with us. And we still do that, do that to this day. And uh, many students from Catholic University and many young professionals in the area come to Compline and pray with us. And so uh, you mentioned the Compline, and I'm curious to know, what's what's the average day for a Dominican brother like? Let's see. The average day, it is it is full. It is demanding. Mm-hmm. It is rich. Uh, we have morning prayer and mass at 7 o'clock every morning. Common meditation before that in the chapel, a half hour of, of mental prayer uh, at 6.30. Um so from there, we'll, we'll have 
breakfast in common, and then a, a full day of, of studies, coursework, as well as, as homework through the day. We get together again at, at midday, at noon, uh, for common praying of the rosary and daytime prayer. Uh, classes in the afternoon come together in the evening uh, for evening pr- office of readings and evening prayer at, at 5.30, uh, dinner together after that, studies in the evening. Um, a lot of a lot of the brothers will, at some point during the day, have gone out once a week. We have we have some sort of ministry assignment in the community, uh, so we're meeting with university students or with the poor, with the missionaries of charity, or, or a number of different uh, ministry opportunities that we have, and experiences that we have, and then the, the day closes with with Compline uh, at 9 p.m. And it's sometimes funny because we're, you know, we're making an examination of conscience and doing uh, penitential prayers. But often enough, the day is not ending at nine with conscience. Right. It's, it's like, okay, let me go get another cup of coffee and, uh, and you crack the summa or, or whatever else. And the, and the studies continue or, or other prayers, prayer continues and, and you prepare for the next day. So it's, um, it, it's, it's full. It's rich. Wow. It doesn't sound like it's for the faint of heart at all. It it is not. It's definitely not. You you have to, and that's where grace absolutely provides. Um, there there are always experiences, sort of wherever you are, spiritually, physically, emotionally, that continue to sustain you. There's mm-hmm. there have been plenty of days where you know just a lunch conversation and and some laughs that are shared or, or an insight or, or something that. Somebody's experienced in ministry gets 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 shared and and that kind of propels you on. Uh, I imagine it's the same way for parents who see their young children either you know peacefully sleeping before they wake them up in the morning, or usually the kids are waking up the parents. But there's right. something in every vocation. You know, there's uh, some experience of love that sort of ripples out through the rest of the day and, and continues to keep you going. And, and that's certainly the case here for me. I certainly see that. And uh, just moving on to topics, you go, many of our readers are familiar with the Dominicana blog. We shared it on Facebook. We also occasionally bring posts over to Catholic Exchange. What brought the – and the Dominicana blog covers a wide variety of topics, I'm sure most folks have noticed. What uh, inspires that range of topics and also to keep the blog going? And, that's, and we thank you both for uh, – Linking to the blog and, and sharing mm-hmm. some of some of our brothers' posts on on Catholic Exchange, we're very grateful for that. Of course, we the the impetus it's it's an offshoot from the Dominicana Journal, which was founded by student brothers in 1916, mm-hmm. and and they wanted to just cover as, theological and philosophical and cultural aspects of, of the life and, and start sharing the fruits of their contemplation. Um, and they were they were trying to invent the, invent the internet. Even back then, but um, we weren't successful. We were not. But Al Gore did. No, just kidding. So. <laughs> we got close. Yeah. Uh, the, the journal lay, lay dormant for a few decades, and then when it was refounded in 2011, obviously with uh, the way that the t- world of technology is in this day, we, we realized a, a biannual journal is not enough. There's there's two. As you can, as as you and your your listeners and readers will will see, there's you know there's the fruits of the Holy Spirit are are too vast to just deal with two print journals uh, issues a year. Mm-hmm. So the blog came out of um, a recognition that 
there are you know many ex- unexpected ways to present the gospel um, that we can find grace at work pretty much anywhere and everywhere. Um, just recently, I love you know, Brother Edmund McCullough just had a post on American Sniper and mm-hmm. uh, the, the the interplay between you know individual good and, and the sense of the common good in, in that film and in his autobiography. Um, to uh, I, I know Brother Timothy Danaher's post on on discernment woes, as he calls them, mm-hmm. was, was picked up, and and that's you know something that uh, he he gives a lot of. He's a, he's a wise student brother figure here, kind of our sage. Uh, we all ascend the mountain to to drink in the wisdom from him, and and so he he'll post on a variety of things, and so it's um, that's that's where we're that's where it comes from. The blog is just we're we're trying to be as creative as possible to to see to put our finger on uh, where, where grace is at work and where we can find creative ways to, to present the gospel. Yeah, and we, again, do a lot of formal academic studies in theology, mm-hmm. philosophy, and language principally. So the blog gives us a good outlet to, like Brother Jordan said, see the workings of grace in other areas, uh, so especially in, in, in cultural Artifacts, whether that's movies or literature or uh, something that's happening, um, some current event that's going on, we can use the blog as an outlet to really preach to whatever that is and to see how God is working through that. I see. And so a lot of ways it's conforming to the Dominican charism of trying to preach to everyone no matter where they are. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. There's um, There's definitely a sense that you know, in every soul, there's something that connects that person to God, God in mm-hmm. that person, and and there there's so many, and, and there's that's part of the beauty of of his creative act is is knowing that there are so many ways, so many inroads uh, where every heart can be can be reached in some way, and it's I love reading it in the morning when it, when these blog posts are are, are put up there and, and thinking I would have never thought of that connection. Or, or when I was discerning, I would check it daily, or daily pretty much, and particularly in times where I was kind of wish-washy, not, sharing, not sure what I was called to or feeling some hesitancy and, and finding posts and, and brothers who just like, whoa, these insights are awesome. You know, the thought that went behind this was, was pretty profound. I, I can't wait to be in the, in the midst of these guys. And the, you talked about reading the blog while you were discerning, uh, Brother Jordan. How do you guys... If you had to give advice to someone who is discerning a vocation right now, do you have any general advice to give? Yeah, I think um, one phrase you hear thrown around a lot when people are discerning is, how do I know God's will for my life? Mm-hmm. And uh, if we could have recourse to St. Thomas Aquinas briefly, um, sure. we'll go there, you know, being an <laughs> annoying Dominican, not to bring him up, but Aquinas is helpful here. He says, actually... When, when thinking about God's will, we can't know God's will, right? God is omniscient. He's the creator of the world. He's the source of our being, the source of our redemption. Um, how could a mere mortal creature know the will of the ineffable God? Um, and if you think about it, it's even hard to know a very close friend's will or family mm-hmm. member's will. You know, the, the will is an inscrutable human operation. Um, so maybe we could think about it in another way. Again, Aquinas is helpful here. 
We know, though, that God has revealed himself to us through his son, Jesus Christ, and by faith, we believe in what Christ has revealed and what the church proposes to us as the good life, as the life that will lead us to happiness. We also know how God works in our life personally through prayer, you know, the inspirations he gives us in prayer, and also the circumstances he puts us in, the people he puts in our life. These are the things that we can say, yeah, I know that. And so you put all of that together and um, you trust in the Lord. So for men who are, and women who are discerning vocation, the best thing to do is, is to look at all that, see how God is working in your life, and then mm-hmm. try it out. You know, go on a vocation weekend and see, and then see how it works. You know, God is going to work with you, definitely. But um, we have we have free will, right? And we have to kind of put ourselves out there. Now, and we always believe God's inspiring us even before we would make that that first step. You know, God is always the impetus behind everything we do, and um, everything that everything good that we do. But and then even when even when we fall, you know, He's always there to bring us back. But I think uh, as a Dominican, we, we usually just encourage people to try it out and um, listen to the inspirations of the Holy Spirit in your life through prayer, through other people, and through what the church proposes as, um, as a vocation, you know, which is basically religious life, priesthood, or marriage, and then, and then for single life for those who are discerning um, or who find themselves in that state. Um, so, the, yeah, these are the, the kind of the states of life that the church and God gives us, and we can all achieve holiness through whatever state we find ourselves in. And, and that's always important to remember, too. Yeah, for, for me, there, what helped me a lot, and I, I, I wouldn't have been able to articulate this while I was discerning and making these, the choice to enter religious life, but upon reflection, I can see it now. Uh, something I, I kind of intuited the whole time, and it's, it's kind of our culture presses us to do the opposite of this. We, we, America is, this is the place of the self-made man, the self, self-made mm-hmm. woman. And certainly we're all sort of the main character in our own, in our own stories. We're the protagonists. But in fact, you know, we didn't will ourselves into being. I didn't decide to be born. I didn't decide where and when and how, to whom. And, and so it's always, as Brother Justin pointed, pointed to it, you know, God works first. Uh, he he creates. He's the one who calls. Vocation, the Latin mm-hmm. root. My my Latin professor will be very happy to hear me say this. The Latin root, uh, vocare, to call or to summon. He's the one who calls. We're the ones who answer, who respond, and and therefore it's not, you know, in a in a society in a culture of, it can be overwhelming to even think, what am I going to have for dinner tonight? There, there's a world of options out there. Uh, mm-hmm. Early. It's it's not it's not like a it's not like a buffet experience. It's um you know he, he's calling you, and you have to trust that he's calling you to. He has called you, and it's all like unfolding before you, even though you don't perhaps often you don't see it as such. Um, but he's he's calling, and and simply the more faithful you are, wherever you are in your life, and open, um, he's he is using that. He will, and he is using it now to help you sort of reach that next step, that next threshold that will be sort of a leap of faith 
Um, but but he's certainly he's he's got a plan for you, and you don't have to like come up with it yourself. It's not it's not a self generated operation. And that um, I think the more I discerned with the Dominicans, that was I don't know if it was clearly articulated, but but I started to get a sense for that. And that in fact was one of the things that drew me to the order itself. Uh, but that's but that's at work, no matter the vocation, religious priesthood, consecrated single life, or to marriage. No, they're all vocations. They're all they're all calls, and and God has given us each of us one. Very good. And uh, regarding the vocations, I know that the Saint Joseph province has been in the news for having really spectacular numbers for bringing in vocations. Uh, you guys touched on a few things with the servant, but do you think there was some mad? There's a magic touch that the Dominicans in Washington D.C. have for bringing in so many vocations. Hmm. Um. <clears throat> Well, again, we first have to attribute it to just the workings of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of this is mysterious, why God would be calling so many men to a certain order at a given time. We do know God has a providential plan, and he's, he's guiding us. And uh, so, But it's beautiful to be part of an order when it's you know really doing well. Um, there is uh, obviously like... Um, you know, the, the order is moving, has a lot of men working right now, trying to reach out and, um, and evangelize, for example, the blog that we spoke about. Mm-hmm. And so I think that touches a lot of men. You know, a lot of guys before they're looking at the before they join the order, like Brother Jordan, are looking at the blog. And um, it's very attractive. They can see that the Holy Spirit is working here. There's a lot of men, obviously, here who, who love the church and want to serve. And, um, so, yeah, so there, there are a number of elements. Um, you know, we, um, I think, I think we also live a very balanced life. You know, we, we love the liturgy. We love praying. We love singing. We take it very seriously, Mm -hmm. but it's not, you know, the end of our life is, is God and is the law of charity and trying to grow in perfection. And um, and and I think I think the brothers who join understand that, um, and they keep that you know that big that scope in mind, so that we, we try not to sweat the small stuff. So I think that works to um, inculcate just a good fraternal community, and so that when men come, they can kind of sense that. They say, okay, well, there's something good going on here. I could see myself living here. You know, I, there's there's a lot of love here. There's a lot of, um, yeah, just a lot of health in this community. So, yeah, so the, those are two things, you know, the, the Holy Spirit principally, and then um, a, I think a community that, that, that really loves the church, wants to serve it, and that, that kind of trickles down to the, our formation houses, but also all the other houses that we have around our province. Yeah, I would, I would absolutely agree. I would, I would say as well that uh, the Lord is is using just the the reality of of social life um, out in the world as as a way to draw men in. I, I, what's particularly striking to me, you know, in this in this moment in history is is the way in which technology and there's lots of that's been written about this and continues to be that technology is isolates us. It, it gives us 
mm-hmm. a, a superficial, or it can very easily give us a superficial, a less authentic form of connectivity to others. Um, it, it certainly, I felt it as as a man living on my own. There were sort of two two halves there. The man who would go out and I would be teaching and, and meeting with classmates in graduate school and, and, and go out for a drink and, and there was that social life. And then I'd retreat uh, to my own apartment where, you know, there was, there was solitude and isolation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that tension, that, that same dynamic is at the core of Dominican life, but in a much more fruitful and productive way. In that, I mean, we're active contemplatives. It it has to start with with authentic isolation with with the Lord in prayer and contemplation, and then it, that's shared first in the house, in community, in in that fraternal love, and and then out to the world. And so it's 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 a tension. You have to find a balance. But certainly, it's like I I, I was it was like I was living a Dominican life. But but without without the the right tools, as as a layperson in graduate school in particular, and I think a lot mm-hmm. of people can experience this, and therefore <clears throat> there's there's just something about you know the way this life is structured that it's like okay this this is not completely radically different. Well, in some ways it is. I'm wearing what many people would consider a bed sheet right now. Uh, but uh, the habit, I love the habit. Oh yes, <laughs> uh, and. Uh, but in some ways, it's it's not radical, but it's but it's a more authentic form of uh, of the life that that most people live um, post post college years. Very good. And so we're about out of time here, and I want to ask you guys just one more question that I think our listeners will benefit from as being the active contemplatives that you are. Do you have any advice for the folks out there who are maybe at this point the third week in Lent, really struggling to get Lent through? Nine times down, ten times up. Mm. Uh, I remember that that was, that was preached in a homily, um, some years ago. It it was, it was the the day after Ash Wednesday and and the pastor gets up there and he says, he just repeats nine times down, 10 times up. What what, what are you talking about? He's like, you've probably already possibly broken, you know, things that you, you said you would either give up or, or, uh, the, the person you'd be nice to at work and you already, you know, messed, messed that up today. But it, but it's simply. This is the beauty of Lent for me, that it's a microcosm of of the entirety of our lives. That it it is absolutely because of original sin and everything. It's it's a struggle. It's a struggle to continue to expand one's heart and be more open to the Lord. Let Him occupy more space and not be filled up with other stuff. Uh, and we constantly fall. But no matter how many times you you, you fall. No matter how much of a, a slog it feels like it is after several weeks, and, and the fervor is not there, uh, you just keep getting up. You know that last time, and, and as long as you're you're on the ascent and not the descent, you know God. Well, even when you are on the descent, God God is there um, to continue to to move, try to move you back back toward Him. Yeah, I would I would totally agree with that. Um, Lent isn't about us, it's about God, and it's about knowing his love for us. Oftentimes, in our culture of self-help, we could maybe view Lent as a way to, to better ourselves. Now, that may be uh, 
an accidental effect. If we stop eating tons of desserts, we may shed a few pounds. That's good. But principally, it's about understanding it, uh, God's grace active in our life, um, God's grace being the sign of his love that ultimately brings us back to him. And so when we fall during Lent, that's a great time to actually reflect. All right, why am I doing this in the first place? Oh, yeah, this is to to understand like who is the source of my being, who who is um, who has given me life and how can I show my gratitude to him even more? And also it's about preparing ourselves for Easter, you know, so that we can really celebrate the Lord's resurrection in a new way and find ourselves a little bit more oriented to him after a month and a half. So, um, so even if you're struggling, like brother Jordan, brother Jordan said, just remember, yeah, this is about God who's always there with us, even in those times that we're struggling and, um, he will bring us back up. And again, most people, they're not 100% through Lent. So don't sweat the small stuff and, uh, just keep, Looking forward to Easter and try to do everything in love. Very good. I think I'm going to have a few of those uh, words of advice tattooed on my forehead just to let you both know. <laughs> very <laughs> good. Very oh, as long as it's not like a big phylactery like those Pharisees, don't do that. But Oh, okay. Okay. I'll do my best. Yeah. Well, thank you both so much. What's more, I've been talking with Brother Justin and Brother Jordan. You can learn more about the Dominicans of the St. Joseph province by going to dominicanfriars.org, as well as going to dominicanablog.com and find both those links on CE this Wednesday. Thank you. God bless you both. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Michael. We appreciate it. God bless you.